Case is submitted. We'll hear argument next in number 91-1200, City of Cincinnati versus Discovery Network, Inc. We would benefit in some cases by that. We probably wouldn't in others. But it's a, it's a rare case that I have the feeling I wish counsel had had more than half an hour. I think that maybe there's one or two at turn. Yeah, that, that's just, just, just about it. It's amazing how seldom anybody asks for more time. Yeah. Mr. Yurick, you may proceed whenever you're ready. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, the issue presented by this case is whether the respondents and other commercial speakers have a First Amendment right to place news rack type dispensing devices upon the public sidewalks of the City of Cincinnati. The critical inquiry here is the interpretation of the fourth prong of the Central Hudson Test, which requires a governmental regulation that burdens commercial speech to burden no more speech than is necessary to further the government's substantial governmental interests. It does not require a least restrictive means test, nor does the test require the regulation to completely accomplish the goal. In other words, the regulation is permitted to be under-inclusive. The fourth prong does require a balancing test. However, the Sixth Circuit, in the City's opinion, balanced the wrong things. The Sixth Circuit held that since a First Amendment right was implicated, that was to be balanced, the First Amendment, against the degree to which the interest was served. The correct balancing test, according to the City, is the state interest taken as a whole versus the incidental burden on speech. Like the billboards in the Metro Media case, news racks are large, immobile, and semi-permanent structures, although they do have a communicative function. By prohibiting respondents' news rack dispensing devices, Cincinnati has done no more than attempt to eliminate the problems posed by the non-communicative presence of the news racks. Well, Mr. Urich, you suggest an analogy to the Metro Media case, but isn't the City's position here perhaps stronger? Because Metro Media was a regulation of billboards on private property. Here, the newspapers or the distributors are simply taking over public property, are they not? I think that since public property is involved, the City's interest in preserving that public property for all of the citizens of Cincinnati is perhaps stronger. And I believe that in the Metro Media case, the prohibition was on off-site advertising, both public and private. I believe that the exception in Metro Media was for on-site advertising. In other words, the owner of a commercial establishment could have a billboard on his own property advertising whatever goods were for sale there. But no one was claiming a right to put a billboard on his property owned by the State there, were they? No, Your Honor, but that is precisely what Discovery Network and Harmon Homes are doing here. That's why your case may be stronger than those of the billboard people in Metro Media. Mr. Chief Justice, I would agree with you there. And 
I think that I think that the the point is well, it's a very good point, Mr. Yurik. Um, the uh, the city here is trying to draw a distinction, or does draw a distinction, between um, ordinary newspapers and the papers that were uh, desired to be. Uh, put out on the street by these respondents. And yet I suppose uh, ordinary newspapers contain a lot of advertisements as well, don't they? Yes, now, uh, we, we take this case on some kind of concession that uh, this is commercial speech at issue and that ordinary newspapers are not. Yes, Your Honor. I think that the, the parties agreed that uh, the, uh, the speech in question, the, the uh, respondents' publications do constitute commercial speech. Um, there was testimony, in fact, at the, uh, the hearing at the district court level that they were uh, purely advertising, with the exception of Harmon Holmes occasionally uh, including an article about uh, interest rates or, or something of that nature that, that might conceitedly be considered non-commercial speech, but the district court made a finding there that the, uh, the speech that was in, the, even the speech that was in Harmon Holmes' publication was not inextricably intertwined with the commercial speech. But in point of fact, you're not making a commercial, or your ordinance doesn't make a commercial, non-commercial speech distinction, does it? That's not what it turns on. Um, your Honor, I, I, the, my witness said that the, the same problems are posed by uh, boxes that contain uh, commercial speech and boxes uh, that contain non-commercial Well, that may be, but that is not the way you have, have drafted your ordinance. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, your, as I understand it, your ordinance turns uh, uh, on the, uh, uh, the, the predominant uh, dedication of the so-called newspapers to the dissemination of what news of current events, I guess, is the way it's described, isn't it? Uh, and, and yet everything which is excluded by that is not necessarily commercial speech. Isn't that true? I'm sorry. I think the, the distinctions made by the ordinances uh, themselves are merely commercial versus non-commercial. Um, and I think that the language used in, in the ordinances, which make a distinguish, which distinguish between commercial and non-commercial, are uh, use language that's been approved by the court. I, I, in, in any case, you, you, take, you take the position that the, that the definition of what we are, for shorthand purposes, calling newspapers is in fact a definition uh, which divides the, the world into two categories, newspapers uh, and non-commercial speech. Is that correct? I, I think that there are newspapers which are specifically allowed to be distributed um, from news racks on the public streets of Cincinnati. I think that there are possibly other non-commercial types of speech um, which could uh, be, I guess, mixed with commercial speech, although I'm, I'm not aware of any uh, that have applied uh, to the city for a news rack permit. But you are taking the, if I understand you, you're taking the position that if it does not qualify as a newspaper and hence does not qualify for uh, the, the, the right to be displayed and sold from these boxes, uh, it is uh, the, the publication is non-commercial speech within the meaning of our cases. Is, is that correct? Is that the way you are reading your ordinance? Um, I'm not sure that it is. Um, I think that there are uh, possibly 
some mixed uh, commercial and non-commercial publications that don't qualify as newspapers, although I'm not aware of any. I, I can see that there, there may be uh, publications like that. Um, I think though that to, to the and there would there would be there would be some non-mixed publications which are not newspapers which but which are just as clearly not commercial speech. That's correct, and I think that the uh, the ordinance also allows for the distribution in the public way of non-commercial handbills. Those How does it do that? Code. Maybe I'm 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 uh, just forgetting what I should have read better. How does the ordinance uh, provide for for those non-commercial but non-newspaper distributions? Um, non-commercial uh, handbills are, are specifically in uh, the, the exact section of the code. It, it's cited, in, again, in, in the briefs, but they are specifically permitted to uh, be... They, they, are, they are expressly exempted from the yes. ban. Okay. May I ask, while you're being interrupted, a commercial hand... Uh, do, do, do these newspapers here come within the definition of commercial handbills within the ordinance? Newspapers... Uh, and I'm not talking about newspapers. I'm talking about the... Other sides of the publication. Yes, they do. And does that mean that they may not only not use these uh, stationary devices, but they can't be distributed at all on the streets? That that would be correct. Not on the the public streets. They can't be handed out either. Uh, according to the uh, code, no, they wouldn't. Um, however, Your Honor, I, I believe that um, that Your Your Honor has asked me an, an overbreadth question. And um, has asked ask you a factual question. Uh, which, uh, whether under the ordinance, as I understand it, your opponent's publications could not be either distributed through these stationary boxes or by having people hand them out to passers-by. That's correct, Your Honor. Um, however, I, I would point out that there is no indication in the record um, that either of the respondents want to do that. Uh, and there's... Um, there are also uh, various alternative means uh, for the respondents to communicate their uh, commercial message. Uh, Mr. Mr. Yurick, uh, I understand that the, the, the real estate uh, um, brochure involved here sometimes uh, contained uh, matter other than the mere listing of, uh, of homes. I mean, it might comment on uh, uh, whether the market is soft or hard or what, what interest rates are, things of that sort. That's correct. Why? But that isn't enough to make it uh, qualify as a newspaper? I think that under this... Um, How many ads do you have to have to, 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 to be not a newspaper anymore? Well, I don't think that the, the code makes any um, sort of uh, percentage, has any sort of percentage requirement, and I'm not certain that there is, there should be any, any percentage requirement, because to the extent that even a small per proportion of... Uh, <coughs> non-commercial speech is inextricably intertwined with commercial speech, that would render the entire publication non-commercial, and the city of Cincinnati would permit that publication well, to, to, to occupy sidewalk space. However, in this case, as I said, the, the district court uh, made a finding, and it was, was not contested, that these uh, articles that were in the Harmon Holmes publication were not inextricably intertwined with the commercial message. I, I, I don't understand. They, they were not inextricably intertwined. You mean they could have been separated from the... That's correct, Your Honor. As opposed to the advertising in newspapers, which is inextricably intertwined? Um, Your Honor, the district court didn't make a, a finding on that, and it wasn't really uh, an issue uh, in this case um, because neither of the respondents claimed that they published newspapers. Um, I don't know uh, whether uh, what, what, an argument could be made. I don't mind the argument. Does the city apply that test to newspapers? That no, they only don't. advertising 
If the advertising uh, can be separated, no, it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, newspapers of general circulation uh, are... Even if they put all their advertising in, 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 in one section at the end, you know, advertising section, and all the rest is news, it'd still qualify, right? That's correct. But this real estate brochure can't, was not allowed to qualify on that basis. Uh, the district court made a finding that they, did, they didn't qualify. And you support and the city supports that finding, correct? I mean, the city says that it will exclude this magazine because although it contains non-advertising matter, that advertising matter is, could be separated. And that's the reason the city will exclude it. That's correct. But it won't exclude newspapers on that basis. No, it won't, Your Honor. And, Your Honor, might I say that the ordinance is, uh, or could be considered under-inclusive on that point. Um, I don't think that that the distinction is nonsensical merely because the city of Cincinnati is only trying to uh, uh, address a very limited uh, portion of its safety and aesthetic problem. I don't think that the city should be forced uh, to address or, or incidentally burden even a larger group of speech. Um, well, assuming that to be true, isn't your real problem here, as you're describing it, not that the ordinance is perhaps under-inclusive, but that the ordinance is inarticulate? Uh, and we have, no, we have no way of knowing what the city might decide to do next, um, uh, either in drawing the kind of distinction that Justice, or applying the kind of distinction that Justice Scalia was discussing to what we would call regular newspapers, or in deciding what the uh, percentage mix between advertising and news ought to be. In, in point of fact, the city is left under the ordinance with a, a standardless discretion, isn't it? No, Your Honor, I don't think it, it is left with a standardless discretion. Again, um, I think that the commercial, non-commercial, and newspaper standards are sufficient. It's not a case like... Well, let's just get down to the definition of what we're calling newspapers. Um, I, I don't have the text of the ordinance in front of me. Doesn't it refer to, uh, to what we're calling newspapers as something which is predominantly or primarily devoted to the dissemination of news of current yeah. events? Is, is that the... No, the, the, the scheme? There was a, a memorandum sent from the city manager, who is the chief executive officer. Well, first, how about just the text? Help me out no, on the, the text. The text of the, the ordinance doesn't say anything about... It says nothing whatsoever. So, not, so not the language that I was thinking of was in this memorandum. It was in a okay. memorandum from the uh, city manager, who is the, the chief executive officer of the city, to the city engineer. And uh, what that memo uh, stated, paraphrasing, is that... Um, from this point forward, uh, in terms of applying regulation, administrative regulation number 38, which is uh, an administrative, an internal administrative direction from the city manager to the departments about how to apply the ordinances and how to interpret them, that in uh, interpreting the term, uh, or in interpreting the term newspapers of general regulation for purposes just of allowing a, a uh, box on the on the sidewalk, uh, which is what administrative right. regulation 38 deals with, um, that newspaper of general circulation should be interpreted as uh, uh, relating to publications which predominantly cover um, current events or, or political affairs, things of that nature. And did he later testify that uh, roughly speaking, he would suppose that predominantly uh, applied, the, uh, uh, predominantly implied that there would be uh, something better than than 50 percent of the space devoted to the current events. I think what the the city uh, engineer uh, Tom Young testified to 
was that that would present a very close case. Okay, but in, and in point of fact, I, I gather it's in the record that most newspapers are 70 percent advertising. Uh, I don't think that uh, that is in the record. There was no testimony to that? I don't think there that's, is that's, any testimony. They just put that in the brief? Um, I don't think. Okay. I don't. I don't think there's any testimony to that in the, in the record, Your Honor. I All think right, that right. the testimony related to, um, again, respondents' uh, particular um, publications, which were um, admittedly not newspapers. Okay. So in any case, you stand on the fact that the city's construction of its ordinance uh, involves the word predominantly and predominantly would call for a, a publication with 50 percent news as opposed to 50 percent advertising, and that's the way the, the ordinance is going to be interpreted and applied. Is that the position that you rest on? Yes. Um, Isn't there other ordinances that expressly permit the distribution of newspapers on the public right-of-way? Yes, there are. I. I'm sorry. You're, you're 9, 11, 17, and 862. Yes, Your Honor. Newspapers of general circulation are expressly permitted. Um, and, and again, I guess I would have to say whether whether do, do they, they have definitions of what is a newspaper of general no, circulation. No. Okay. And, and I, again, I would I would have to say that the 50-50 um, uh, distinction was was said by the city engineer to present a close case. I'm not. I don't mean to suggest that if a, a particular newspaper only had 30 percent uh, non-commercial uh, speech in it and 70 percent commercial speech that they would not be permitted uh, to occupy space on the city sidewalks. Do you measure this by words or by, by, by uh, area, 30 percent, 50 percent? I'm sorry, Your Honor, I, I think that, that your, your Honor's question uh, points out that perhaps there should be no exact percentage. Uh, a newspaper, yes. I think, is not such a vague uh, term that it can't be understood or that the use of the word newspaper of, uh, in, of general circulation in a statutory scheme can't be understood by a reasonable person. As a matter of fact, uh, at the uh, hearing in the case, the, at the district court, the respondents were both asked, uh, did their co uh, publications constitute newspapers? And they were both uh, able to answer the question uh, rather quickly. Um, I, I don't think it's such a vague term that it, that it gives the city unbridled discretion. May I ask just one other basic question? As I read the ordinances in the district uh, court's opinion or the findings, they don't say anything about uh, these devices. They talk about distribution of handbills and newspapers. Is there any mention of the vending devices in any city ordinance? Um, there is no specific mention of the um, devices in the city ordinances. So However, in the administrative regulation, which all, all the law out of this is an administrative regulation by the city engineer or city manager. The, the city manager, yeah. who would, is the chief executive. The officer. ordinances themselves don't even tell us anything about uh, these devices or the number that might be appropriate or anything like that. Uh, no, just the, the administrative regulation. <laughs> well, uh, doesn't the newspaper uh, or anybody else that wants to put one of these have to get a permit? Yes, they do have to apply That's for That's just permit. by a regulation? That's pursuant to the administrative regulation. There's no ordinance that um, grants them the right to a, uh, a permit. It's, that's all in the administrative regulation. But I, I, I take it that uh, it would be inconsistent with the ordinances, uh, or would it, for the uh, 
city to deny the right to newspapers to, to distribute the newspapers through these boxes? It's um, newspapers of general circulation uh, in the ordinances uh, specifically are accepted from the... Well, I know, but it doesn't say that uh, the ordinances doesn't protect the right of a newspaper to put... Uh, to distribute through these boxes by occupying public property? No, Your Honor. Um, the, the through the administrative regulation, they have been uh, afforded the privilege of placing uh, these um, boxes on the city sidewalks. I'm the only case that I'm aware on the subject, uh, this court's uh, prior, um, left the, the question specifically open, that was the Lakewood versus Plain Dealer case. But is it not true that it would be consistent with the ordinances for the city manager to say, we're just not going to have these boxes at all? Um, if, the, if the administrative regulation uh, were to be uh, repealed, and it, there's who, who no reason under the Who ordinance, promulgates the administrative regulation? The, the city manager. So the city manager could change his regulations, say, we're not going to use any, or, any boxes, or he could also say, we're going to allow 500 boxes, and that's going to be enough. And he could also say they'll all be painted red or they'll all be painted green. That would be correct. York, you've said several times newspapers of general circulation. I don't find the phrase of general circulation in, maybe I don't know where it is, but I, I don't find it in the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, in the code. I, it, it, may it, may, it may just say newspaper. I um, think that's what it says. Um, in this case, uh, the regulatory scheme as applied, uh, and by prohibiting respondents' news rack devices, uh, does no more uh, than attempt to eliminate the problems posed by the non-communicative presence of the boxes. Uh, the entire burden, uh, again, is limited to the elimination of news racks, uh, and no portion of the incidental burden on the speech fails to serve the city's substantial governmental interests in eliminating the safety and aesthetic problems posed by the news racks. Mr. York, why do, why do you pick on, on commercial speech? I, I'm, I'm thinking back of, you know, of the important decisions I've made in my life. Certainly, uh, buying a house uh, is enormously important. I mean, much, much more important to me than uh, you know, the latest uh, state of the war in Bosnia. And, and, and you make the, your city manager makes the decision that people must be allowed to, uh, to find out the latest news from Bosnia but cannot, uh, cannot be given uh, uh, from these same boxes uh, information on the, the, uh, the choices they have in buying a house. Why, why is that speech so unimportant that it can be suppressed this way? Oh, it's certainly not unimportant, Your Honor. That's not the city's contention. Well, then, then what, what else is the matter with it? Is it obscene? The city's contention is certainly not, Your Honor, um, that non-commercial speech throughout uh, the precedence of, the, of this court's prior cases has been afforded a lesser degree of First Amendment protection. For purposes that had something to do with the distinctive nature of commercial speech. But commercial speech doesn't clutter up your sidewalks any more than non-commercial speech does, does it? That would be correct, Your Honor, but uh, again, I think that to the extent that we didn't make a distinction between commercial versus non-commercial speech, in other words, do what the Sixth Circuit said and just provide for a limit to the number of total boxes and uh, apply the scheme on a first-come, first-served basis, that to the extent that there was one slot, one box space open, and uh, both we had an application from both a commercial speaker and a non-commercial speaker, to the extent that we were to allocate that public space to a commercial publication to the exclusion of a non-commercial publication, we would probably be in violation of the Metromedia case, which says that a regulatory scheme which makes a distinction between commercial versus non-commercial speech 
cannot give a preference to non-commercial speech, or um, excuse me, to commercial speech over non-commercial speech. Well, we're not talking about giving a preference. We're just talking about, about equal treatment. Well, Your Honor, I think that whether it's a, a specific preference in the, in the ordinance or a preference that uh, simply occurs as a result of, of a, an inadequate scheme, I'm not certain that that makes a difference. I don't understand. What, what, what are you going to do when you have too many non-commercial publications to uh, fill up your, uh, your, your news boxes? I don't think that making, uh, again... You, have, you think you have to allow as many non-commercial? No, Your Honor. Can you have a first-come, first-serve? Yes, we can. Among non-commercial speakers, I well, think that we can. Just among non-commercial, but not among I believe, commercial. I believe that's correct. Uh -huh. Again, Metromedia... Bosnia, Bosnia wins again. Yes, Your Honor. I, I believe that to the extent that... Uh, Again, the, the ordinance or any statutory scheme that the city would promulgate would allow a commercial speaker uh, to uh, have a space while uh, forbidding a non-commercial speaker to have the, the, that access, that it would be a violation of Metro Media. What, uh, uh, you, you, the city seems to say that... Uh, uh, commercial speech uh, is, does not enjoy the same protection as non-commercial speech does under the First Amendment. That's correct, Your Honor. I think and therefore, you should be able to ban these boxes? We should be able to, to regulate these but, structures uh, in the public way. But I thought, you, uh, I thought the lesser protection uh, uh, given to commercial speech was based on its content. Um, don't, you th don't you agree? I, I would say that the, the difference in the, reg in the, the uh, degree of um, deference to a local uh, government in regulating commercial well, My question is, what do you think justifies giving commercial speech less protection than non-commercial speech? Again, isn't it, is, isn't it its content? The distinction has to be made on content, but I don't... Well, then what, uh, what has that distinction got to do with... Uh, with uh, cluttering up the streets, whether commercial distributors uh, should uh, uh, have less opportunity to distribute on the streets. Well, again, I, I guess um, to the extent that the legislature has a greater degree of uh, latitude in regulating uh, commercial speech as opposed to regulating non-commercial speech, um, my uh, my answer to the question would be that it's not necessarily that, that that ought to be the decision that the legislature makes, but it is one that it can make under the uh, under this court's prior precedence. Do the respondents uh, charge for their uh, brochures or flyers? No, they don't, Your Honor. They are uh, distributed free. Well, I suppose the city might conclude that something that you get for free, you're more likely to throw away on your way home than something you paid for, like a newspaper. Uh, I think that the city could conclude that, um, Your Honor. I think there might be danger in the city uh, regulating on that basis because the third prong of the Central Hudson Test, which is, uh, which has been satisfied here, and I think they're, they're both the courts have found that the, the, this ordinance directly affects the city's substantial uh, governmental interest. Um, an argument could be made that, in, as in Schneider versus Estate, this court has said that um, banning handbilling because uh, the um, handbills uh, might be used as litter wasn't a direct, there wasn't a direct enough nexus. I don't think there's that problem here. Does the city's latitude that you, know, you contend for 
its latitude in regulating commercial speech, uh, permit it to regulate substantially more commercial speech than is necessary to accomplish its interest? No, Your Honor. And, and again, in this case, um, I, I think that the interests posed were the interest in the safety and aesthetics of the sidewalks. Um, and I think there was testimony that uh, these boxes detracted from the safety and aesthetic interests of the sidewalks. And that is, that is exactly what is being banned. Again, uh, both Discovery and Net Network and Harmon Homes have alternative means of distributing their communications. Um, in Harmon Homes' case, 85% of their publications are distributed through other means. And in uh, Discovery Network's case, 66% uh, are distributed through other means. What about the local newspaper? What percentage of theirs are distributed by home delivery? I'm not really certain, Your Honor. Probably very high, isn't it? I mean, in that respect, there's no reason to think that the newspapers are any different from the commercial publications. Uh, that might be so, Your Honor. I don't know. I don't know that it's in the record. Uh, again, this was uh, treated m more as an as-applied challenge than uh, a facial or an overbreath challenge. So, May I ask you, your, your, your Section 7011C, the, one, the ordinance that prohibits handbilling on the public streets entirely, has that been in effect since a long, long time ago? It seems to be almost unconstitutional on its face. Um, I don't think that it's unconstitutional on its face. I think that it was uh, um, drafted probably closely after the Crestenson, Valentine versus Crestenson yeah. case, because the language in that statute closely resembles that in, in the Crestenson case. Long before the court had held the commercial speech had any protection under the First Amendment. That, that's yeah. correct, but I yeah. don't necessarily think that that makes the ordinance unconstitutional on its face. No, of course that wouldn't. Thank you, Mr. Yurek. Mr. Mezabov, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the court. In this case, the city of Cincinnati seeks to enforce against Harmon and Discovery's publications an outright ban on the distribution in public areas of important and valuable information concerning economic and educational opportunities as part of a regulatory scheme which, on its face, allows city officials to make unprincipled and standardless decisions about what kinds of speech and what speakers can be on the public areas. Now, Mr. Mezeboff, you want us to consider the case on the assumption that uh, your clients engage only in commercial speech. Is that right? Justice O'Connor, we did not take up the matter of whether we are or are not commercial speakers. So you want us to decide it on the basis that your uh, clients engage only in commercial speech? Your Honor, we feel that this, ca this case can be decided yes, as if not. we are commercial speakers, just as the lower courts have determined right. in accordance with the Central Hudson And um, you want us to assume, do you, that uh, the newspapers that the city allows to be placed in news racks uh, are entitled to greater protection than that of commercial speech? Certainly not in these circumstances. Your Honor, while we ha did not concede that we are commercial speakers, and although we have not appealed that, that issue, we have never conceded that newspapers are not also commercial speakers within the city's own dictionary. They are, by definition, as much commercial speakers as we are. The city is scheme is quite confused on that point. But th that kind of withdraws your answer to Justice O'Connor in a way, doesn't it? 
because we have held that in, in a, I think in, in the uh, New York Times against Sullivan case, didn't we, that the fact that there was uh, the libel might arise out of an advertisement did not make it just commercial speech. At least it was entitled a full First Amendment protection. Well, the city has drafted a, a scheme of, uh, of ordinances which includes in it definitions of commercial speech, commercial handbills, that is, and a definition of non-commercial handbills. There is no definition whatsoever of what constitutes a newspaper. On the one hand, newspapers are expressly permitted on the city streets by reason of 9-11-17. On the other hand, the city expressly prohibits the distribution of commercial handbills in all public areas. According to the city's own scheme of regulating commercial handbills, a commercial handbill is any printed matter which advertises for sale any merchandise, product, commodity, or thing, or which directs attention to any business or mercantile or commercial establishment or other activity for the purpose of directly promoting the interest thereof by sales, or which directs attention to or advertises any meeting, theatrical performance, exhibition, or event of any kind for which an admission fee is charged for the purpose of private gain or profit. I submit, Mr. Chief Justice, that there is no newspaper on the streets of Cincinnati which does not constitute a commercial handbill under the city's own scheme of definition. No, but they have a separate ordinance, uh, 9-11-17, that expressly allows the distribution of newspapers, and it was enacted later, so it's in the nature of notwithstanding the definition of handbill, a newspaper can be distributed. A newspaper can, but a newspaper is not defined. A newspaper could as easily fall within this definition. Well, it does fall within that definition without any doubt. I mean, that's true. Wouldn't you read the later ordinance as saying that we are not applying this handbill prohibition to newspapers? If I knew what a a newspaper was under the city scheme. Well, there is some merit to the notion that we have some idea that that what are on these boxes are probably newspapers. Well, the the city itself has... Maybe your paper could also qualify as a newspaper, but you 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 don't make that contention. No, we do not. Yeah. But it is our contention that we are no more commercial within the city scheme than is a newspaper. Now, does the city ordinance only allow the sale of newspapers, not the distribution, if there's no sale? I believe it's the distribution. I thought the language was sale. I need distribution. It may be sold from racks. That's correct. 9-11-17 says they must be sold. Yeah. And apparently only in the morning or afternoon, not in the evening. You, you, you don't have a, an evening newspaper in Cincinnati. No longer. A very beautifully drafted ordinance. Yes. <laughs> Either in the morning or afternoon, where, where permission has been obtained. Since at least 1971, the city has had on its books this ordinance, which prohibits the public distribution of all printed matter, which satisfies the city's definition of a commercial handbill. And it was this ordinance which the city invoked when they directed our clients to remove their news racks only from the city right-of-way. There's no question, therefore, that this scheme is subject to a facial challenge, as it affects not only the use of news racks on the city streets, but the distribution of all printed matter. When you say this ordinance, Mr. Mesba, you're referring uh, to, what, Section 71423? That's correct, Mr. Chief. And any other parts? Uh, uh, the definitional Section 71421C? And 71421N, which defines as a non-commercial handbill anything not contained in the definition of a commercial handbill.
This scheme obliterates any meaningful or discernible distinction among pub publications. If our publication is commercial, so too is a daily newspaper. While the city argues that there should be or is a bright line distinction for First Amendment purposes between commercial and non-commercial speech, its inability to make such a distinction is demonstrated by this legislative scheme as well as by the, the letter regulation by the city manager. This, this wasn't really the basis of the Court of Appeals opinion, was it? No, it was not. The Court of Appeals looked at this case from the Central Hudson. Well, are you framework. defending the Court of Appeals rationale? Oh, I think the Court of Appeals correctly decided this case. It isn't what I asked Central you. Central Hudson. Do you defend the way they arrived at the result? Yes. The, the Court of Appeals did not reach the facial argument. They, they decided the case on an applied basis. But certainly this is a, a fair approach to this regulatory scheme because it continues to be so problematic. Do you, you think they were quite right in, in uh, identifying the kind of a balance that they thought they should apply? I think Judge Boggs, who wrote the, the opinion, was well, quite correct. Yes or no? Yes. Shortly after our publications were directed to be removed from the public right-of-way, the city manager passed a regulation which attempted to put some definition into the city's scheme. That letter regulation defined as non-commercial, that which is a daily or weekly publication, primarily presenting coverage of or commentary on current events. And as we know from the record below, the city engineer is unable and remains unable to give a clear definition of what constitutes a non-commercial publication, notwithstanding the city manager's letter. While the city's inability to establish clear standards with regard to a distinction between non-commercial and commercial speech is not necessary in resolving this matter, the facial infirmities of the scheme are such that it warrants further consideration insofar as it points out the difficulties in dealing with, with speech and with the possibilities of favoritism and bias when a city is unable to define with any certainty what constitutes commercial and what constitutes non-commercial. In this situation, that threat is not merely potential or hypothetical. We believe the record demonstrates that the threat is palpable. In this case, the record reveals that the city of Cincinnati works on an ongoing basis with certain publishers, namely the city's daily newspapers, in coming up with regulations governing news racks. That's significant because it indicates that there is a threat of favoritism or bias on the part of a city in dealing with different speakers, when the speakers are essentially publishing the same types of materials. Do you think the city could distinguish between uh, newspapers of general circulation, or whatever you want to call it, on the one hand, and commercial handbills on the other as to distribution, if it precisely defined each category so that the city manager would not be chargeable with any unbridled discretion? It may be possible to draw such a distinction, but there would be no need for a distinction insofar as news racks are concerned. 
If the city's problem here is news racks, then it ought to be news racks which it regulates. There's no reason here, certainly none developed by the record, which would demonstrate a need to regulate news racks based on the content of the publications contained in them. So you say then the, the city could not, even with proper and careful definitions, distinguish between uh, newspapers and commercial flyers with respect to distribution by news racks? There certainly would be no reason to, based on the ostensible reasons for the city's Well, supposing it passed an ordinance that did that, do you, do you think it would be, should be upheld? No, it may not be attacked necessarily on facial grounds, but it certainly would be on an uh, applied basis if, as in this instance, the city's reasons, which ostensibly are safety and aesthetics, have nothing to do with the content of the publications. Well, Why wouldn't suppose the uh, ordinance forbade a news racks that uh, dispensed news, uh, the material for free and permitted only those that are coin-operated? Would that be permissible? No, I don't believe that would be permissible. That would place a burden on, on speech and speakers, which would be un unnecessary and not related to the city's well, sense. Well, suppose it were shown that in the case of coin-operated racks, uh, they did not have uh, many of the evils that uh, free ones do. Uh, they were not receptacles for garbage. They were better maintained. If the city had that factual background, could it then enact the ordinance that I suppose? I think under those circumstances it may be possible for the city to do that, so long as the, the reason for that ordinance is not based on the notion that to be commercial or non-commercial is determined by whether or not you charge a fee, and so long as the amount of money that's required to operate that machine is not of such an amount that it would place a burden on one speaker or another. Well, suppose the minimum were a quarter, 25 cents. That, that may be reasonable if it, if it advances a legitimate governmental interest. If that would curb the problem, I, I perhaps... the ordinance here just allowed the selling of newspapers and news racks, not giving them away. 9-11-17, Justice O'Connor does say that cities are permitted to sell news, Just newspapers sell by it. news racks. Nothing that's, else. That's Can't correct. give them away. Not according to 9-11-17. But our publications cannot be distributed on city streets by any means, news racks or otherwise. Couldn't you uh, distribute them by adding them as inserts to the newspapers? If, if our publishers were to buy space in the city newspapers, that potentially could happen. But that would change our entire means of operation. And also, of course, there's never any guarantee that newspapers will accept advertising from all advertisers. So it may well be that if we are banned from news racks and banned from distributing by hand or otherwise in public areas, we may be totally banned from, from distributing our publications throughout the city by any means. What if the city were to provide an ordinance that the only way you can put a news rack, anybody, newspaper, flyer, anything else, on a city street is to lease the space from the city, since, we, since it owns the space. I think that would present a large problem for publishers such as ours, who do not have the financial wherewithal. Yeah, lots, lots of laws do present financial problems to people in business. Would this law be unconstitutional? I believe that there is underlying uh, the right to distribute speech in public areas, the right to erect newspapers. Unless, the right to just take over public property? Mr. Chief Justice, I don't believe that if a city has a scheme of regulation by which publishers are licensed 
to use space in accordance with terms established by the city that they are appropriating public property for private well, purposes. But supposing the city just repeals all its present ordinances and says, you know, they've got us into a lot of litigation. One case went all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, we're going to just have a flat regulation that first come, first serve, anybody who wants to put a news rack on public property can do so, so long as they pay the fair value of the lease for the period of time they're occupying it. Depending on the, the amount of money needed to uh, get that leasehold, Your Honor, I, I suppose the city might be able to do that, so long as that scheme is not contrary to public forum considerations. After all, news does racks... The pub, does the public forum doctrine require the city to let private people appropriate public property indefinitely? Public forum doctrine speaks to a tradition in this country, which is that people expect to see and be seen and hear and be heard on public streets. News racks meet the expectations and needs of citizens. They're found in virtually every city found on many street corners. That's because people expect to find them there. People use them. The use of news racks, I don't believe, Mr. Chief Justice, is contrary to the purposes of cities regulating streets. It seems to be a consistent application. Uh, well, very likely, because the cities know that people want to buy, have news, news racks available. But uh, I don't think that answers the question of whether the cities might charge the fair value of a year-to-year -year lease for that small bit of property. Again, I think perhaps that problem may be addressed by whether or not the amount of money charged is placing too large a burden on speech. If the amount of money would not be such as to prohibit or prevent all speakers from using that, that leasehold, then perhaps in those circumstances that might be a a constitutional ordinance. Well, what if the city has a large auditorium that it makes available to private groups and you have to lease the auditorium? Uh, you have to pay for the janitorial service, the lights and so forth. And uh, one group says, well, we want to use this auditorium, but uh, we just can't afford that price, even though we concede it's, it's fair value. Do you think they have a constitutional right to use that auditorium? You know, I have, uh, I have not considered that issue in the context of this case because our case is, in part, a, a public forum uh, case. I'm not oh, sure that the, Mr. Mezeboff, uh, downstairs in the public areas of this building, there's a little section set aside where there are three or four news racks. Now, is it your position that it would be unconstitutional for this court to refuse to provide additional news racks for uh, commercial speech, such as your clients have here? Or can we limit that space somehow and say we have a very small space and uh, we have to allocate it somehow, so we're going to allocate it only to uh, fully protected speech? Justice O'Connor, your question poses a hypothetical which is not present in our case, that being limited resources. It's important to note that in this... What is your answer? The answer is, in the absence of limited resources, I don't well, believe there's any... There are limited resources. What is your answer? Limited space. Then it may be necessary for the, for the court or for the governing body to make some distinction. And can you draw the line on the basis of commercial versus non-commercial speech? I think that... In would, that circumstance? I 
The answer is I'm, I'm not sure. It may be of, of such a limited space that... Assuming it's viewpoint neutral, just all commercial speech, no. The court has placed a higher priority on non-commercial speech, that we know. But, wh- but only when it is necessary to regulate. Well, in a sense, uh, aren't city streets a finite resource? At some point, they're too cluttered, or they interfere with traffic, or what have you. Can the, can the city make that kind of a distinction out on the streets? That situation has not presented itself in Cincinnati, but it, it could be that we get down to a last street corner. And I would suggest that in those circumstances, what, this, what the city or the governing body must do is develop objective, content-neutral criteria to determine who that final speaker well, will be. Well, the content-neutral criteria is all commercial speech. We are not going to allow it. I don't believe that would be a content-neutral distinction. If here, for example, the problem with our publications is that it's commercial speech, then the city ought to, and I'm not suggesting this is what they ought to do, but to be fair, they should ban all commercial speech. That contained in our publications and that which falls out of the daily newspapers on a daily daily basis. They've not chosen to do that, nor have they chosen, what they have chosen to do is make a distinction based on content which does not meet the city's real needs. Mr. Metzboff, I, I guess I don't understand your, your position, and I had thought from your brief that your answer to Justice O'Connor's question would have been that you do not acknowledge that, you do not acknowledge that commercial speech is not fully protected speech in the same sense that all speech is. I mean, in one sense, no speech is fully protected speech because it can't be given everywhere. There are restrictions that can be placed as to time, place, and manner. I would have. Th- I thought that's what your brief said. That commercial speech is speech and is entitled to constitutional protections. It is our position. It can be limited more than other speech only because of particular dangers that commercial speech may have, and with respect to those particular dangers. But when those particular dangers are not present, it has to be treated like other speech. I thought that's what your brief said, but it's certainly not what your answer says. Your answer says now that, 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 that in, in our building here, we can say no commercial speech, just non-commercial speech. We, we can do that. No, it is our, is our it position. depends on how much space we have for racks, you now tell us. What I've said in response to Justice O'Connor, Justice Scalia, is that there may be a, such a limited resource situation, not present in the case we have, have here. I thought your whole case was that limitation of resources has nothing to do with the distinction between commercial and non-commercial. Fraud does. Prior, prior uh, uh, permission perhaps does, but certainly not space. space. Commercial and non-commercial take up just as much space. Isn't your answer totally inconsistent with what you said in your brief? So Justice Scalia, I believe I did not make myself as clear as I should have. I believe that in a limited resource situation, the governing body should develop objective, content-neutral basis to make that decision about what speaker is there. And, and perhaps I did misspeak or did not speak uh, as clearly as I should have. Content-neutral means no distinction between commercial and non-commercial. Unless there is a reason to grant, to make that distinction, but which is not present here. Well, with respect speech, to space or aesthetics, there is no such reason. Isn't that your point? That's correct. Okay. What about the reason the Chief Justice suggested that if it's given away free, it's more apt to be tossed on the sidewalk than if you have to pay for it? Maybe it isn't a sufficient reason, but at least it would be a reason, wouldn't it? There's absolutely nothing here in the record to... I understand that. We're we're off in the realm of hypotheticals here today. (laughs) None of this has anything to do with this case. (laughs) Really. 
It's just fun. Yeah. Do, do you understand my question? I do. And you would agree that at least as a reason. If you said 25 cents or more, it's less apt to be litter than if it's free stuff. I could, but Mr. Justice Stevens, I think I could also say maybe the best things in life are free in yeah. response to, to your question, and that is uh, there's no record here to establish that that happens. That. And there's, and there's no, no reason to, to believe that that necessarily ever happens. ever approached the scarcity limit that, that it seemed to me would have to have to justify what they're doing. Justice Stevens, if someone goes to the news rack to take out one of our publications, I think we can draw the inference that they want that publication because it affords them information about educational and uh, economic opportunities which are valuable to them, and they will take that with them just as they Nobody would. Nobody will pick it up just out of curiosity. I wonder what this is. People do that with free things in all sorts of places. They pick it up, look at it, and see they're not interested. Well, in this situation, they have to go to the box and remove it. It's not being foisted upon them. No, I understand. Mr. Mezebov, I would have thought your answer to that question would have been that whether you charge for it or not has nothing to do with whether or not it's commercial speech. That's Newspapers are not commercial speech, and you they are generally charged for. That's correct. Some types of purely advertising brochures, I think there are real estate things or, or, or automobile things that you pay money for, even though it's all advertising. Whether or not you charge you, or do not charge does not make something... So you have no problem with charging with, with, with a law that says you, you have to charge for it, do you? No, no boxes unless you pay for them. If, if that price, as I indicated before, does not place too large a burden on one speaker or another, what, if it's an inordinate price, or if it's used to discriminate against one speaker than another. If it serves a legitimate purpose, if 25 cents per box will cure the problems that the city has with newspapers rights. in the stands, they won't let your publications on. You, do, you wouldn't want this if, you had to, if people had to pay 25 cents for your publication. No, they would not. So a 25% charge would have the exact same effect as this ordinance has. If the 25 in this case. That's correct. Yeah. It, it could. Although, in this situation, the regulatory scheme doesn't just place a a burden with respect to news racks, the city would have us off the city streets entirely, by any means. I should also point out that in this situation, there were 62 news racks utilized by Harmon and Discovery's publishers, whereas 2,000 news racks approximately would be permitted to remain on the city streets according to the, uh, the city's enforcement of this regulatory scheme. In effect, as the lower courts have found, this scheme is an ineffective means of regulation. It never directly advances any legitimate governmental interest, because when our 62 are removed, we can anticipate that they will be replaced by 62 supposed non-commercial speakers, the daily newspapers. Did you, di did you dispute uh, in the courts below that your publication was commercial speech? We disputed it in the district court level. We did not appeal the, the district court's decision that we are commercial speakers. And the reason so, we, and, and so that issue in this case is just not open. You didn't uh, carry it up to the Court of Appeals. No, we did not. We feel that this case can be properly decided on central Hudson bases, that both the district court and the Court of Appeals properly applied central well, did, Hudson. Did your, did your uh, publication contain an offer of sale? It per there are two, two publications here, Justice yeah. White. The Harmon Homes contains real estate listings, picture of a, a real estate offering, price information about that, as well as, from time to time, additional information. Discovery's publication has information concerning its course listings. So you, you, I suppose at least the first publication you described 
really fits the definition of commercial speech? To the extent the definition of commercial speech means proposes a commercial transaction, then indeed it does. While you acknowledge that you, you do not have presented before us whether you are commercial speech, you, you also claim, however, that you are free to argue here that newspapers are as much commercial speech as you are. That's correct. That's one of the problems with this scheme is that it is devoid of, of any meaningful standards. Finally, the city has argued that the regulations in this case are content neutral. That contention is unsupported by the record. First, the regulation is directed expressly and explicitly at commercial speech. Second, only publications with commercial speech has been banned from news racks. Well, isn't your strongest argument on, on, on the lack of content neutrality that when you make a distinction between commercial and non-commercial, which is not for the purposes for which the commercial uh, speech uh, regulation have, has been accepted by this court, that that is by definition a content-based distinction? I mean, is, don't, you don't have to go any further than that, do you? That's correct, Justice Souter. They, the city, by invoking this ordinance, has made a content-based Whereas if the city were regulating fraud uh, in commercial uh, speech, it would not uh, be invalid simply because uh, as, as, as content-based. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. May I ask one last question? The, your opponents have, have given us amended Regulation 38 at the end of their brief, which I guess is something that came later, signed by Sylvester Murray. Is he the city manager? He was a previous city manager. Is there something in the record that defines the scope of the authority of the city manager? Do we know what... Is he kind of like a czar who can do anything he wants to, or is there some limitation on his power? I'm not sure that that is, that is clear in, in the record. Well, the uh, king of the sidewalks. Doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, one of the, uh, doesn't one of the uh, ordinances say that uh, doesn't one of the ordinances give uh, the city manager some uh, And provided further that newspapers of general circulation in the city's incident may be sold from racks, containers, and bags attached to poles, da-da-da, in accordance with rules and regulations promulgated by the city manager. With, there's no question that the city manager can, can promulgate the rules and regulations. I misunderstood the earlier question. I understood it had to do with interpretation. The city manager does promulgate the rules and regulations, and it appears to be left to other city officials to interpret and apply those rules and regulations. In this case, it would have been the city engineer primarily who had responsibility to interpret and then apply the, the regulations. Thank you, Mr. Mezabov. The case is submitted.